0: Hello and welcome to River Talk where we sit down with some of the Rivertown area's most interesting and notable people. My guest today has served the town of Cortland for over 30 years first as a councilwoman and then as town supervisor for 15 consecutive terms. She'll be wrapping up her long career later this year. Miss Linda Paglisi thank you so much for joining me.
1: Please uh, thank you so much for asking me it is my pleasure uh, Christian and please call me Linda
0: all right will do uh so linda we're sitting here in a conference room in the town hall now from what i understand this is courtland's most recent town hall in 1992 it was converted from a former elementary school which is something you were very much involved with early in your career.
1: That's right. I've been, uh, I'm in my 30th year as town supervisor, elected, and 15 elections, as you noted. Uh, and prior to that, I was an elected councilwoman for one term. And that's a four-year term. So put it all together, it's 34 years. And when I was a councilwoman, the school district, Lakeland, did not need this uh, facility any longer for their elementary school. The population in the school district was down. So they put it up for sale. So I went to the then supervisor and town board and I said, oh my gosh, this would make a great town hall for us because we were sharing space in the village of Croton-on-Hudson in their municipal building. Uh, So the supervisor and town board members said, okay, Linda, go ahead. (laughs) Go talk to Lakeland and start negotiations. And I did. And then put it up for a referendum, a vote of the people. And they voted on it overwhelmingly. And then when I was supervisor my first year, this was my major project. Uh, To renovate this building. We had a wonderful gentleman, Vinny Nyberg, who was our code enforcement director. He was also an architect and an engineer, so I would spend my afternoons up here. And this is a part of this is a historic wing uh, going back to the public works of uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There's two other wings that were built in 1957 and 1974. The campus is six acres, the square footage is 30,000 square feet. And I've had the honor of being the first elected town supervisor in this beautiful town hall, which is symbolic. It's a symbol of the pride we have in our community. So in
0: 1992, when all this is happening, it's just a few years into your political career. Uh, Before that, what was young Linda Puglisi like? Uh, Obviously, you're a person who's very driven. Were you the kind of little girl who had to run the bake sale or run her student office? Absolutely. And
1: things like that? I, I built a crate with my sisters. We had a lemonade stand. We baked cookies, <laughs> you know, the whole deal. Uh, I was in scouts, Girl Scouts, subsequently became a Girl Scout leader for my daughter Allison. But even at a young age, there was like a compass inside of me that I wanted to do good things for other people. And I have tried throughout the journey of my life to fulfill that goal. And it was also uh, instilled in me by my parents. My father is a veteran of World War II, a Marine, became a teacher and a college professor. Mom was a teacher. And that was back in the day when um, not too many women went to college and got a degree and had a profession. So I always admired her for that. But both my parents instilled in myself and my sisters, you know, give back. You know, you have an opportunity. We have a good family. We're able to provide for you, Linda." So when you have an opportunity, you give back to the community, to society. But that, as the early days, I was elected to, you know, student government, vice president of my class one year, treasurer another year. So I always wanted to be elected. I love being in charge. <laughs> I like making decisions, even the hard ones. And so that came from a very young age.
0: So obviously the next step for you was to run for public office. What was it like running for councilwoman in 1988, a time when there were still relatively few women involved in politics?
1: Yep, and there still are. We need more women, that's for sure. So I had um, went to college, education in political science, some education courses, and then I was a preschool director. And I took care of, like, the business element of it as well, which was a great time in my life to learn the things that we do here at the town government. It was like a precursor to what we do here. So I had good training. I loved being a preschool director. The kids, of course, are all now grown up. They have their own kids. (laughs) I bump into them throughout the community sometimes, and that's really cool. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, I was a homeowner association president. Uh, I was elected to that for 10 years. I always loved being in a position to make a difference. To be in charge is not necessarily the right way of putting it, but I liked being right there in the center, uh, making these uh, decisions that will benefit our families, be it the tennis courts where I a homeowner's association or the Lake Beach or parties or... Uh, with the preschool, talking to the parents, the grandparents, and so on. It was a wonderful time in my life. My kids were growing up. I have twins, a boy and a girl, Allison and Jeffrey. Allison's nickname is Allie, and of course, Jeff for my son. And they're just terrific people. I'm so proud of them. They're very accomplished. Uh, Jeff is a physician over in Connecticut. And Allie is an attorney in a good-sized law firm down in New York City. She's a partner, so I'm just so proud of them. But uh, raised them in the town of Cortland, so they will tell you if they were sitting here, the town of Cortland was just a wonderful foundation for their lives. Um, One thing led to the next, and I'm going to say to you that um, my life, most lives, your life, has been an evolution. It's been a path. And you take twists and turns on that path, and one thing leads to the next. So, when I was a homeowner association, two hundred and fifty homes, by the way, uh, it's a big um, community in the in the town of Cortland. There was a business that was going to be built too close to our lake. We stormed down to town hall at the time. I stood up as the president of the homeowner association, and I said, "No." We can't have this. It's going to pollute our lake. Our kids swim there. You can hear me, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we ended up winning that fight, and then my political party came to me and said, gee, Linda, you're involved in the community. You're involved in school committees in your neighborhood. Uh, Gee, would you consider running uh, for town council? I went home to my family, and they were supportive, and so next thing I knew, I was out at the, in front of the grocery stores and at the post office and on the corners putting up signs and telling people what I wanted to do for them. And uh, I was very fortunate to win. I was only one at the time, only one of five women who had been a town councilwoman. Now we have another two, so it's been seven altogether. Council women. The town of Cortland is 233 years old, by the way. And then I once again, the term is four years. I was fortunate, blessed, is my word I use, to be elected. People had put their trust in me. It's a big responsibility, Christian. It really is. And then um, after getting involved and learning more about the government. There I am. I want to be in charge. I want to be the full-time elected town supervisor. So, I decided that I wasn't going to run for councilwoman again. I was going to run for town supervisor. And let me tell you, there have only been two women supervisors in the history of the town of Cortland 233 years. So we need more in the future. This is my last year. I will be retiring at the end of this year. It'll be sad for me. But 30 is a round number, so it's the right time. Sure. But only two, think of that, only two women have been supervisors in the 233 years. Muriel Morabito was the first woman. She was supervisor for four years in the 1980s, and uh, I, I knew her, and she was a wonderful person. So that's how I got to run for the office. I was asked. They knew that I was interested in community activities and what was going on. Worked very hard, let me tell you, because there weren't, as I told you, there weren't that many women elected officials at the time. So,
0: Yeah, well, I was going to ask, as a woman, especially back then, did you feel like you had to work harder or that you had more to prove than your male counterparts?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. Yes, uh, I'm not going to say double standard because uh, that's a cliche, Christian. But uh, that when you, you go back, that's um, thirty five years ago. I was sure. running for town council, and then thirty one years ago for supervisors. So back in that era, um, a woman really did have to work harder, prove themselves. Um, you know, you had to prove to people that you could do the job, your knowledge, your experience, and what you were going to bring to the table. So I did all that. I had a weekly press release, and I sent out mailings, and I went to every... I tried to knock on every household. There's 16,000 households in the town of and I got to, I think, half of them. And the people uh, put their trust in me, and I have been blessed for 34 years to be an elected official in this wonderful town that I love so dearly.
0: So obviously you've been in the game for a very long time. Uh, Politics with a capital P uh, often is a distraction from the business of serving constituents. That's definitely the case in the current polarized environment in many places. Uh, It seems like something that I'm guessing has had less of an effect on your career since you've run unopposed many times.
1: Half the time,
0: I did. Yeah, it seems to be that the political side of things have been less of a part of your career.
1: It's there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being honest with you. Sure, sure. And uh, it is definitely there. Yeah. Um, Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent, you have to go through the process. Yeah. Uh, You go to your um, chairperson, your district leaders, and you tell them that you want to run for office. You submit your resume. Your letter, and you give them verbal reasons why you want to run, and then they have a selection committee and then they vote. And so I've been fortunate for 16 elections to get the support of my political party. And then when you get elected, the town supervisor is every two years. If you're an elected town board member, it's four years. Mm-hmm. If you're the elected receiver of taxes, that's four years, or a town judge. So supervisor is only two years. And by the way, I've never been an advocate of changing that to four years because it's a full-time position. It has a lot of influence on your lives. And if you don't like what I'm doing, vote me out. Okay, having said that, I always tell uh, residents of the town... You know, sometimes they'll say to me, oh, gosh, I'm a Republican. And uh, I'm a registered Democrat, I'll tell you. (laughs) And they would say to me, I'm a registered Republican. But I've always voted for you, Linda. And I say, oh, bless you. Thank you so much. My best friends are Republicans, I always (laughs) say to them. (laughs) Family members are Republicans.
0: And obviously you've had to work alongside Republicans. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, right now our whole town board is from the Democratic Party, but that wasn't always the case, and so be it. I mean, we've had many wonderful um, town board members from other political parties, and I have always tried to get along with them and have been successful in doing so.
0: I feel like on the local level, the sort of ideological differences that you see between the parties are less...
1: It's not really a a Democratic um, position on paving your road. Or opening up your town pool, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's social issues, of course, um, but on the local level, not so much. But um, the politics, uh, to be honest with you, frank with you, is there. I have said to the, my residents, "I didn't know you were what party you were affiliated with. I don't care. If you have an issue that needs to be addressed, I'm there for you. I would never say, well, you didn't, you know, you're not in my party, you didn't vote for me, or whatever. No, yeah. that's not the way it should ever be. I don't go looking up to find out what the party affiliation is. <laughs> I would never even think of doing that, Christian. But the uh, political party is there. The two-year term, after one year, then the party would come to you and say, oh, Linda, are you going to run again? And then they would look at the other political party, who they're going to put up, because it's a long, lengthy process of getting elected. This is something in the future, when I retire, I want to write how-to books. I think high school students should, should learn this, you know, little pamphlets, how to become an elected supervisor or a mayor or a state senator, etc., because it's an involved process, You get your petition signed. You get nominated from your party. You get your petition signed. You go campaigning. You do fundraising. You have election day. So it's not just overnight. It's a long process that people should learn about. Every student group that comes before me, and I just love that part of it, by the way, Christian. Uh, Classrooms, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, I always tell them, think about becoming an elected official in, in your future. It's, a, it's just wonderful, a public servant. It doesn't have to be full-time. I say to them, you can be a teacher, a lawyer, a nurse, whatever you want to become, and then you can do this part-time. And so uh, hopefully I open their eyes to that, you know, because sometimes people think, oh, well, if you do that, then you can't go on and fulfill your other dream, you know. So I always try to instill that in um, the youth because I want them to start thinking along these lines. It is a wonderful opportunity to be elected. I say that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, to go to people and say, put your trust in me. I pledge to you, I'm going to work for you and your families. I'm going to build a new playground in your neighborhood. I'm going to expand the swimming pool. We're going to expand the senior center we're going to do drainage work on your road that you've needed for years. We're going to blacktop your road. Um, I'm going to fight for you with Indian Point closing. I'm going to uh, go out there and argue, is the word, with uh, the utility companies, Con Edison in our in our area, when there's a storm and power's out for six to ten days like last summer.
0: Sure.
1: And so I see myself as an advocate for our thirty-two thousand people and a champion for them and i think that they know that i want them to know that so politics is a part of it but um you don't just throw it aside obviously it's a part of your life you didn't get here without politics so it's part of it but um i take the good part of it you know we all know there's crankiness throughout the country politically but here we, you know, I try, I try myself uh, not to make it partisan.
0: conversation with Linda Puglisi continues in our next episode where we'll talk more about her legacy and her plans for retirement. River Talk is a production of River Towns Media, publisher of River Journal and River Journal North. For more information, check out riverjournalonline.com slash River Talk. Do you know someone from the area who would make a great guest on our show? Let us know at RiverTalk at RiverTownsMedia.com. RiverTalk is executive produced by Alan Begun and Bruce Apar of RiverTowns Media. I'm Christian Larson, and I'll see you next time.